All right, I'd like to start with a quote. Here's the quote. We ready? All right, let's lean in. Let's lean in. This is not a drill. You are in a battle today, one far more intense than you imagine, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but your enemy is invisible. Eso está serio. Welcome. If you're just joining us, you're about six months too late, but it's all right. Amen. We're working through the book of Ephesians. We are at the very end of Ephesians. Uh, we titled this series the First Love Series, and we'll be wrapping it up today. And this book has definitely um, allowed us and encouraged us to really deal with some hardcore yet totally practical basic issues. Amen? Has anybody been blessed by it? All right. Four people. Amen. If you've been able to catch the entire series we started before the summer, I, I think you've gotten a really full picture of the gospel. When we started with the first half of Ephesians, um, it's a, it was about everything that God had given us, everything that God had done for us, what we have, who we are in Christ. And that alone is enough to empower change and encourage growth. Amen? But then it, it took us through transformation because what's the point of having all of this? What's the point of being equipped? What's the point of being blessed, of being gifted, of being anointed, of being equipped? What's the point of having all of that and not walking in it? Right? One of the, um, one of the executives that I, I work for, he has this beautiful car. It's a Ferrari. It's, two, it's over $200,000. It has over 500 horsepower. It has a top speed of 196 miles an hour. I, I, don't, I, I don't even know what that, that's like flying to me. 196, it goes zero to 60 in four seconds, under four seconds. But it's in the garage in the Hamptons. And if you've ever been to the Hamptons, it's two lanes in and out of the entire place. And it's always traffic. So imagine sitting that close to the ground With that much power, with that much throttle, where everybody's looking at you. Well, it's more like, you know. And, and, and the guy with the, with the 1984 Hyundai uh, uh, pickup truck is next to you, looking at you. Imagine having all of that and not... I, I remember uh, uh, another time I was working at another place for another executive. I, I've always done executive IT support. And so one, one of these, this time, this guy had... He had one of my favorite cars of that time, and he got into a little fender bender, and he, and he had to leave it in the garage by my office. 
Now, his admin had to arrange to get the car out to Long Island to, to the dealership to get it fixed. And the problem was the person that they had there couldn't drive stick. And so they asked me, said, George, would you be able to take this car to the shop? Do you know how to drive stick? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Back then, I, had, I didn't have a, a car that ever, but I'll figure this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was a Nissan, back then that was my favorite, it was a Nissan 300ZX. It was the bubble one, the one that when it came out brand new and it was like a bubble, they wrapped it up like the Porsche kind of. And, and man, that was one of my favorite cars. And I said, yes, no problem, yes, please. I'll take it to the, but now I get to the car and the problem was he had smacked the bumper off of it and you couldn't come off completely. And the problem was if you drove it too fast, the the bumper would scrape the tire. So I had to drive this car in never leaving second gear, 10 miles an hour with the hazards on. I'm in my favorite sports car of that time. And I can't drive more than 15, 20 miles. And I can't leave second gear. I'm just... Never, I never got to leave second gear. And I think that's a good picture of the church sometimes. Kids already crying. We have everything we need to walk powerfully, to live differently, to overcome any obstacle, to outmaneuver any opposition, to outthrottle any enemy. We have the traction to stay on course no matter what turns come our way. But many of us don't leave second gear. Because we've allowed some past damage to hinder us. Or because we don't understand who we are and what we have. I came to tell somebody today, there's more. There's more power. There's more growth. There's more ability. There's more ground to cover. There are more places to go. There's more to see. There, There are more things to do in the kingdom. There are more experiences to be had. All of your experiences shouldn't be in this building on a Sunday. It should be outside these walls. There's more to to be had out there. What's stopping you? What's hindering you? What's keeping you back? I want to take it into another gear today. Can we do that? Some people say higher levels, bigger devils. So what? So what? We have nothing to fear. Amen? Ephesians makes it clear that God is for us. If you've been listening in Ephesians 1 through 5, God is for us. He's set us up. He's equipped us for life and for godliness. He's created us for good. And as we close Ephesians 6, Paul turns from the natural. He turns from dealing with the family, dealing with the church. That's what we've been talking about, right? And our relationships. And he goes dark at the end of Ephesians 6. He goes dark. He goes into the supernatural. 
We've been talking about the natural, Ephesians 1 through 5. Now we're going to get into the supernatural. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Now when he says, finally, when somebody says, finally, that means in light of everything I've already told you. That means in light of everything I told you you had, in light of everything I told you you can do, in light of all of that you've been given and blessed to walk in, in light of all that, finally be strong in the Lord. And all the areas that he's covered so far were with people, with with the church and unity, with marriages, with children, with human beings. Now we're going to step into the spiritual realm. And I I titled this message for us because I want you to understand that no matter how dark it gets, God is for us. Amen? And if God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31. Amen. So so Paul is telling us there's another dimension that we need to be aware of. Man, if you're a new Christian, this is exciting. I wish I was hearing this for the first time. There's a new dimension that we need to be aware of. And I, I don't think I have to convince anyone here that there's evil in the world. Right? That's be silly for me to have to try. All I have to do is put the news on. There's evil. In this world, there's something that happens in the spiritual realm that influences and sometimes controls what happens in this realm. How many so far are you with me? See, I'm baffled by the fact that people believe in evil and they believe in the spiritual realm or the supernatural, yet they question God's existence. It's silly to me. If there's an evil realm, if there's, a, if there's wickedness, if there's darkness in high places, that means surely there's, come on. See, people believe in, in, in all this darkness and actually in the natural, darkness is not even a thing. Did you know that? You, you can't, darkness is just the absence of light. You can't make something darker. You just remove more light. You can't turn up the darkness, you just turn down the light. So the Bible tells us there's this intangible, invisible spiritual realm where warfare takes place. Every day, right now, in the seat next to you. I don't want to freak you out. Remember, there's armor, there's God is for us. Nobody's going to leave here scared. You're going to leave here empowered. You're going to leave here strengthened. Amen? The word says in Psalm 91, he commands his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. Why would I need angels in in the supernatural realm guarding me in all of my ways if there was nothing opposing me? It says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins, Colossians 1.3. He says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, St. James 4.7. So there's obviously some kind of warfare that takes place in the spiritual. We've all felt it before. You ever walked into a place and you know there's something wrong in this place? 
You walk into a place and everybody's nest. It's like everybody has the same spirit. Hi. Somebody just said my job. <laughs> DMV, that's cold. True, I'm not gonna lie though, but sometimes you walk into a place and everything is sensual. And you say, man, there's something, something's not right here. Everything is sensual in this place. I'm not talking about a strip joint. If you went there, you know what's there. So that's definitely operating in there. But, but I'm saying just even regular place, there's something. There's, there's, a, there's an authority taking place there, right? Sometimes, see, see, that's why God calls us children of light. When we step into a place, we change the atmosphere, Right? That's why we walk in, some, sometimes people get angry. We walk in, sometimes people feel safe. We walk in, sometimes people just want to just dump out all their problems on you. Oh, I don't even know who you are, man, but my mother and my wife and my... And it's like, bro, do I know you? <laughs> why? There's something safe in you. There's a spirit. You change the atmosphere. You make things... When we're walking in the way God asks us to walk, we, we're atmosphere chain with thermometers, amen, with thermostats, amen. We change things. Okay, so, so you understand. Now, when we're talking about spiritual warfare, there are two primary errors. Listen, because this is, this is good. There's overemphasis and there's underemphasis. When we're talking about spiritual warfare, some people act like everything is a demon attacking them. I got a flat tire. The devil don't want me to. I lost my job. That devil. Could it be that you call out every week? Could it be that you're always late? Could it be? But no, it's the devil. The devil's against you and your job. Alarm clock didn't go. The devil. I've heard, and I've heard people get really ridiculous, right? Anybody, right? I went to make a sandwich and there's no mayo. The devil don't want me to have a sandwich, but God. And they'll preach. But God. Listen, do you think that you are such a threat to the kingdom that the devil wants to stop you from having a sandwich? If you are, you should be here preaching. I should be sitting down listening to you for sure. Amen? I don't think the devil cares if I have a sandwich. Some people, everything is, is a demonic attack. And, and, and as a matter of fact, we've, we've, we've seen even in Scripture how some storms, some trials, God sends into your life. So everything's not the devil. Some, some of the things you've been asking God to get you through, he sent your way. Sometimes, uh, the, what, sometimes God wants you to find him in the storm. Sometimes God will allow something in your life because he wants to bring you closer to him. You haven't been listening any other way. And he says, if I make it dark, if I get it, if I make this happen, you're going to draw close to me and that's what I want. Sometimes God wants you to trust him in the dry season. He wants you to 
draw close. The danger when we overemphasize spiritual warfare is that we ended up resisting what God sent to work in and through us. Another time, another thing that happens is sometimes we tend to make the enemy bigger than he is. If you think, remember, the enemy is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere, right? He has a certain select bunch of angels that were, that were cast out, right? And so, so there's the devil and there, there are these, these emissaries of his, these angels, these demons. But it's still a finite number, right? And so for the devil to be in your living room, that means he picked you above everybody in the world, because he can't be everywhere. But we make it so like, no, the devil had me on Tuesday. Nah, man, devil's in my house wrecking things. Devil messing with my kids. Devil stole my mail. Devil did. And, 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 and so, we, so we think, so we make him like he's everywhere. And the more we talk about it that way, we think, oh, my God, I got to be worried. I'm going to go home and check the mail. I got to, right? We got to be, we make him bigger than he is. And, and sometimes when we overemphasize the spiritual warfare, we, we make it like good and, 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 and bad and, and light and darkness, and we make them equal. I mean, you know, God, that's not equal. God and the enemy are not equal. Not even, not even in the same weight class. You, you know what I'm saying? So, so. But, but, okay, but you do have to understand this, though. The enemy is bigger and stronger and smarter than you on your own, in your own strength. No contest. You lose every time. You're definitely in the wrong weight class. You lose every time. But God is for us. Amen? And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. So, so, so you know, we, we got to always put things in the proper balance. Amen. So in Christ, I'm a conqueror. Amen. Second Corinthians 10 says, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't wage war according to the flesh. For we have the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to tear down strongholds. So we don't want to overemphasize the enemy, but also some people underemphasize the spiritual battle that we're in. And that's a problem, too. They fail to see that there's a spiritual realm and it includes everything around us and involves everything around us. And that's why when we pray, we engage that realm. When we don't. So, so when you're not aware of that realm, you might not see that a habit that you're struggling with might have come from an open door in your life that you gave the enemy. Yeah, let's, let's talk about this because this is important. Sometimes we entertain the enemy by dabbling in things that we as believers have no business in. So understand, we shouldn't underemphasize the fact that there is an enemy in the spiritual realm who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour, 1 Peter 5.8. Those are not words to trifle with. 
when we underemphasize, we let our guard down and we end up stepping outside the borders and boundaries that God has set up for us. Listen, I say this all the time. The safest place to be is in the will of God. Watch this. In the will of God, the worst places become safe for you. Outside of the will of God, the safest place is dangerous to you. That's good. Perfect example. Some of you are going to get so tight right now. Perfect example of underemphasizing spiritual warfare. Soon as October hit, children of God out there carving pumpkins, decorating their house with tombstones and cobwebs, darkening their homes, planning parties, dressing kids up as witches and serial killers. Regardless of the demonic nature of it all, that day the church celebrates with the world. Yeah, I knew it'd get quiet. Because we underemphasize the implications of the darkness of that day. And, and listen, don't send me emails on this, please. I've heard all sides of the argument. I've, I've battled on all sides of the argument. People say, well, Halloween is not the devil's day because the devil doesn't get a day. We, he doesn't get a day. Every day is God's day. Oh, okay, true. True, we don't give the enemy. But you can't invite him in to play with his toys and then ask him to leave you alone the rest of the year. You can't dress Jimmy up like a little devil and be mad at him tomorrow for acting like one. We can't invite this presence, this darkness, this, this cobweb, death, skull, this, this, this darkness, presence, and, and create this in our home. And then the day after, wonder where the oppression came from. The day after, wonder where's all this depression coming from? Where's all this battle coming from? Why, why nobody in the house is getting along? How come we're fighting with each other? How come I, I can't and I can't deal? How come there's no peace in my house? We got to get pastor to come pray. No, he not. No, he won't. Let me see you post you had a Halloween party. Then invite me to go pray in your house. That's not worth the gas, bro. You invited it in, you get it out. I tell you, listen, listen, I tell you, uh, last night, yesterday, my wife was out and I was by myself in the house upstairs in the attic, right? And I'm by my, and I'm working on spiritual warfare. You know there's going to be noises in the house. You know there's going to be, I'm going to, you know, right? You know when you're dealing with this, it's a real world, right? And so I'm by myself typing and you hear And, and the funny, I used to get, I used to get scared. I, I'll take my laptop downstairs and work with the kids, you know. <laughs> i deal with the noise. But, you know, when you get to a certain place already, I, 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 first I, I said, God, I know you're not going to let no devils up in my house. You know what I'm doing is good. If, if this is, if I'm being attacked, that's awesome. But I know you're not letting devils in my house. And then I talked to the devil. I said, devil, you know that if you show up here, 
You're just going to be a story that I'm going to tell on Sunday. And instantly the noise stops. I said, I'm just going to make fun of you on Sunday. So go ahead. Because this will just be great. It will be a great illustration when I'm sharing now and I tell him. And then the devil showed up in the house. And I told him, wait, I'm busy. Let me finish this sentence. What? So I'm just going to embarrass you. So you better just leave. And it gets quiet and peace is in the house. Amen. It's a real, it's a real thing. But when we open up. To, to, to things that we shouldn't be walking in, then you say, out of nowhere, we just emphasize the fact that we're in a spiritual battle. And, and the, the, when, when you see those things happen, you got to say, wait, maybe, maybe I underemphasized the spiritual battle, and for that one night, I crossed over and picked up stuff, brought stuff home. Some of you got stuff in your homes that you need to get rid of. I'm sorry. You need to do some God cleaning. If there's a saint in your house, smash that thing. I almost cursed. I was so mad at that. Smash it. Smash it. Get rid of it. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's an idol. What is, who's, who, who is she? Who is he? He's going to help you? Tell San Lazaro got, got crutches, bro. He can't help you. Y'all got saints with crutches. I laugh in Spanish people's houses, man. You got saints with crutches, with dogs licking his... You know what I'm talking about, right? You see them in the botanicas. Really? That's, a, that's who I'm going to worship? Listen, I remember when I used to deal with Epiditimo and all that, and I left all that, and God showed me. And, and I remember this lady had her house was, was caught on fire, and the only thing she wanted to save was her saints, her gods. She said, I can't lose my son Lazaro. I can't lose my Santa Barbara. That's been in my family for 100 years. I said, listen, any god that you have to rescue... It's not God. Right? Your God rescues you. If you got to save him, if you got to feed him, how many of you have relatives, right? They got water, they got apples, they got change. They got to feed and pay for their gods, right? The Spanish people are all laughing because you all have it in your houses. We all grew up with that. I had, my mother had two had Besides the saints, we had this big Jesus face. Crying with thorns, it was it was horrible. But the ears, the eyes, always followed you everywhere. No matter where you were in that house, that thing was looking at you. Creepy, right? Back to the other thing, you know. The I'm not going to bore you with the origins of every little act, from pumpkin carving to the candy giving to the costume wearing. Uh, the, check I'm, if you're not doing it, it doesn't matter. And if you are, you do the research. Right? Because you want to please God. You want to walk in what God has for you. Right? Not, not because I tell you. Who cares? I, I tell people all the time and I still see them posting pictures the next week. Right? But that's on you. Right? You want to please God. You want it. So you do the research. So it's not just Halloween. That just happened to fall on October and I think it was appropriate. But when we underemphasize the spiritual world, we walk in things that are not for us. How many of you have an obsession with horror movies? Don't raise your hands because you know I'm going to talk about you. Don't, don't do it. You know I'm going to tear you up right now. Just go. Like, dang, he caught me. We have this obsession with horror movies, and then we start asking God to remove the spirit of fear. The word says God did not give you a spirit of fear. You paid for it on Netflix. 
We're out here posting things and liking things that are contrary to the Spirit of God. Anytime we cross over, anytime we blur the lines, we grant access. Do you know that pornography grants access to lustful spirits? It's a battle. It is. I'm telling you as a man, it's a battle. It's a struggle. So that's, sometimes that provides, that you think that provides, see, because pornography never says no to you. Oh, that's a whole nother, let's not even, let's not even get into that. That's a whole nother marriage thing for men and women. Struggle with it too. It allows access to lustful spirits to the point where you allow the enemy to put his throat, his foot on your throat. And you can't, now you see everything lustful. Come on, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking from experience. I grew up like that. You see every, you cannot not see things lustful when you have that oppression, when, you, when you're dealing with that, everything becomes that. You can't look at nobody normal again. But it's an open door. Horoscopes, y'all, y'all ah, make me want to slap from down in... North Carolina someplace. Are you a child of the stars or of the God who created the stars? Under emphasis allows us to entertain idols and dabble in witchcraft and the occult, not realizing, watch this, there's an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not something to, those are not words to play with. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy is not out to slow you down, to hold you back, to make you tired, to mess with your sandwiches, to be less, to get you less successful. No, he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. If you thought there was someone in your building or on your block or in your neighborhood that was out to steal, kill, and destroy, you'd make sure you walked aware and you locked all the doors. So what Paul is telling us here is be alert, be of sober mind, walk aware. Close doors that need to be closed. Don't leave things open. Ephesus was a place of mixed cultures and different beliefs. There was a lot of idolatry and witchcraft there. People worshipped Artemis. People were, they had a giant god in the middle of their, their whole place that people came from everywhere to worship. And everybody that came bought a little picture, a little uh, uh, idol of that big idol so that they can take with them and wear on their chains or put in their homes. It was a place of witchcraft, of idolatry. And, and <clears throat> when Paul preached the gospel at Ephesus, it says that all of the believers brought out all of their magic books and burned them in the street. They wanted a clean break from everything. The American Christianity would just tear out pages out of their magic books. And say, oh, we can't do that one. Oh, we can't mess with that one. That one's not too bad. You know how I know? Because we do that with our music. You, you, <laughs> ay, ay, ay. 
I hear people say, I, I, I listen to the edited versions of, the, of that music. Really? And when you hear it, you're not cursing? Or are you going, hmm? No, you're saying it. See, it's causing you in the subconscious to say it. Do you understand the control that that has on your life, young people? And it's not just young people. It's a lot of us. Amen? You have, we have, man, this artist that you guys listen to that on one track, they say they sold their souls to the devil. And so you'll skip that track. But you'll listen to all the other ones. That's the same cat on the next. That's the same guy that sold his soul on the last track. And you're still listening to him now. Does that make you more Christian? All right, I'll get off of that. Sorry. When we underemphasize the spiritual realm, you know, we music is just music. I, anyway, are you serious? Ephesians 6.10, let's, let's get in with it. Let's, let's get it on Ephesians 6. Let's finish this Ephesians. He says, finally, in light of what you've been called to do, in light of what you've been given, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood or against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The enemy uses world systems against us to tell us we don't need God. There is no devil. He, he uses our own sinful nature, the desires of the flesh, the greed, the lust of the eyes, to get us to doubt, to deny, to disobey. Sometimes he attacks us directly, sometimes through demonic spirits, sometimes through people who have sold themselves out. Sometimes it's our flesh who betrays us. And so we could sit here and say, well, how do I know what's an attack? How do I know who's attacking? It doesn't matter because the fight is the same. The word says, stand firm in Christ. Galatians says, put on Christ. So it doesn't matter who's attacking. Is it the devil? Is it a person? Is it my flesh? Is it my sinful nature? Is it my mother? Is it my, you know, it doesn't matter. The point is, hold on to God. Put on Christ, amen. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Draw close to God and he'll draw close to you, James 4. Our focus should be on God, not demons. We talk to him, not them. Don't, don't, don't become this demon hunter guy. Oh, I heard a message on spiritual warfare. I'm going after every demon in my job. I'm going after every demon, you know, demon of bad lighting, demon of bad sound. I just cast you out, right? Stop. Talk to God. Don't talk to demons. Amen? That's, that's, what, that's what was, all right, good. Now, Ephesians, a lot of people preach this and get into all different demonic levels. There's rulers and authorities. The bottom line, we don't wrestle against men. We wrestle against spiritual forces of darkness. Amen? Enough said? And, and a per- wrestling is a perfect picture because wrestling is a constant struggle. Wrestling is a constant sh- uh, strategy and struggle. And the moment you stop struggling, you get put in a hold. Paul wants us to know there's a battle going on in the spirit. But whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, but God is for us. The most ineffective soldier is the one who doesn't know he's at war. Right? We wrestle, when, when we hear things like that, we wrestle against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That's intimidating, right? 
It sounds intimidating until you remember Ephesians 1. It says, he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So everywhere that the enemy's attacking us, God has blessed us in. You should be more excited about that. I, I don't get it. I've heard Ephesians 6 preached all on its own, and I've made that mistake myself over the years. Some people love to talk about spiritual warfare, putting on the full armor, and that's still a powerful passage, and there's power in it all by itself. But like anything else in the word, it's not like you and I, it's not meant to stand alone. It's, it's meant to, 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 to be together. So when you put Ephesians 6 together, you get the full picture. It's a letter to the Ephesian church and to this church, and it's telling us to, to, to be able to walk in unity, to be able to walk in holiness to be able to walk in he tells us be strong in the lord put on the full armor so that you can stand against the schemes of the enemy what are we fighting for what's this battle really about it's about us being able to walk in unity you see the different picture it's not, it's not a battle. See, when, when we make it all about us, when we read Ephesians 6 by itself, we make it about us. It's a fight for me, and God's fighting, and the enemy's fighting me. And the enemy, It's not about you. When you put it together, you see that it's about us. The battle is to stop us from being united. The battle is to stop us from walking holy, from encouraging one another, from being one as Christ prayed in John 17. It's a battle for us. When you, when you separate it six from the rest of the passage, it's personal. When you bring it together, it's a battle royale. For my Fortnite crew. It's a battle royale. It's a battle for the unity of the church. It's a battle for the holiness of the body. It's a battle for our relationships, our marriages, our children, our churches. They'll know us by our love, the word says. So let's continue breaking it down. Throw up 13. Let's break it down real quick. I try to rush through it. I'm sorry. 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand firm. All God is asking us to do is to stand firm. To put on Christ and to stand firm. Stand therefore, 14. Having fastened on the belts of truth. See, the truth of God is what we believe. It, it, it's what holds the armor together. It's the truth of God. The belt of truth is what holds all the armor together. Without the belt of truth in that time, no, nothing, you couldn't have a place to put your sword. You couldn't be girded up. Without the belt, the truth that we believe in is what holds us all together. And then it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The only righteousness that we have is in Jesus. Our, our righteousness is the righteousness that he's given us. We haven't earned it. We haven't done good enough. We haven't done enough good things. Our righteousness is from Christ. It's the word of God. Amen? So, so put on Christ, walk in righteousness and holiness. 15, and shoes for your feet. 
having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Listen, it's called the gospel of peace because it brings peace between God and man. And we just have to stand on it. We have to be able to walk in it. And in, in that time, the Roman soldiers, they wear these sandals that had spikes and nails on it so that it gives them traction. And the picture that God is telling us, the picture that Paul is telling us is when you are walking in the gospel, you can stand firm and you can gain ground and you can walk firm, amen, and have traction. We can stand firm in it. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The shields that they carried back then, they were two and a half feet wide by four feet. It was able to cover your entire body if you get behind it. And if you put it together with each other, it becomes a wall of defense for every... Oh, come on. Your faith is your covering. Your faith creates a wall of defense for those behind you. The, 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 um, the, the shields back then, they were, they were made when they couldn't do the metal. They were mostly made out of wood. And so they would cover them in leather. Because in leather, that way it would make them fireproof. They would dip the leather in water so that when the enemy, they used to throw back then flaming arrows. Right? And so when these flaming arrows would come, it's to tear down all your, your defense, to tear down all your faith. But if it's leather and if it's dipped in water, it extinguishes the darts of the enemy. The darts that the enemy throws at us is doubt disbelief, discouragement. If we stand in our faith and have our faith cover us, those, those, those darts are extinguished, amen? That's what it says in verse 16. That's why it's so important to know the word and to stand in your faith. Your faith is a covering. And then it says, verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. Salvation is a helmet because it guards the head. It guards what we believe. It's the hope that we have. It's the, it's the, the decision that we've made to walk in. If the enemy can get in your mind, he'll have you believe in all kinds of craziness. That's why it matters what we listen to. That's why it matters who we allow to speak into us. And, and the, the other piece, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Think about this. The sword of the Spirit, it says, is the Word of God. So think about this. If the Word of God is your sword, then you determine how sharp your weapon is. You determine what kind of weapon you're walking around with. You can walk around with a fitted, weighted, double-edged sword or, or a plastic butter knife. Some believe, I've been preaching this since for 25 years. Some, some, uh, some, some Christians are walking around with a plastic butter knife. That's how much scripture we know. That's how much word we got inside. And we think we're, we're threatening enemies with a plastic butter knife. The only chance you have is that you might make them laugh to death. How much word you know. Verse 18, it says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. The last thing that we put on, but it isn't a physical article, it's prayer. You can't walk in unity without praying with each other. You can't walk in holiness without prayer. You can't walk in love without prayer. Prayer creates unity. Prayer um, exhorts holiness. Prayer permeates and fills and manifests in love. You can't pray for somebody you, if, if you don't start to love them. See, without the armor of God, church, the believer is naked, 
barefoot, bareheaded, and helpless before an enemy that's out to destroy him. Worship team, come. Naked, barefoot, bareheaded, and helpless before an enemy that's out to steal, kill, and destroy. I want you to get that picture. I mean, don't think too hard on the nakedness, but. Unequipped. Unequipped. Some people run out naked with just the helmet of salvation. You don't got anything else on. The reason I, I called this the first love series is this. This, this. this is a whole other piece real quick, real quick. Go ahead. You can start to play. You can start to pretend you're going to start worshiping. It makes them think it's old church. The reason I call this the first love series is because we read about the church of Ephesus in the book of Acts when it started, right? And then we read about the church of, of Ephesus, obviously, in Ephesians. And then... At the end of the book, what's the last chapter of the Bible? Galatians, right. No, Revelations, amen. In Revelations chapter 2, we hear again about the church at Ephesus. Now God gives John a picture into the future times. It's a, it's a prophecy. And he tells John, write down what you see and send it to the seven churches. Those seven churches are symbolic of, of, of the church, of who we are. And they're represented in this picture by the seven gold lampstands. A lampstand represents the light that, that the church is supposed to be in a dark world. So the first church that he writes to, the first church, it says to the church at Ephesus, Revelations 2, 2. I know your deeds and your toil. This is God speaking to the church. I know your deeds. I know the things that you're doing. And I know your toil and your perseverance. And I know that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they're not. And you find them to be false. And you have perseverance and you have endured for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary. Somebody say amen. God is saying, you have not grown weary. You have endured. You have done well. You test the prophets. You test to make sure things are really of God. You are doing good. You have perseverance. Amen? Verse 4, he says, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. Now, which love did the Ephesians leave behind? Was it the love for God or the love for people? Scholars on both sides of that, I think we should be mindful of both. Because if Jesus says they both matter, if Jesus made them first and second commandments, if Jesus said all oh, everything else rests in these two things, if we love God and, and love one another, Verse 5, he says, therefore, there's a remedy. Isn't it awesome that God will warn us before he snuffs out the lampstand? Before he takes the light from the church, he warns us. He says, therefore, remember from where you've fallen and repent. And do the deeds that you did at first. Or else I'm coming to you 
And I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. This you do have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Church, listen, listen. It's easy to get caught up in doing church and lose the excitement and the joy of the Lord. It's easy uh, to, to walk in, 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 the, in the things of ministry. It's easy to, to, to walk in things. Jesus commanded both and, and, um, to, to love each other and to love God. He said, they'll know us by our love. And it's easy once you've been here a while, once you get to know each other more, it's easy sometimes to, to, to fall away from that. Some people... When they first came to the Lord, when they first had an encounter with God, man, they signed up for 16 ministries, right? They wanted to do everything. They were, I know some people, man, they, were, they, were, they couldn't take a bus ride without just leading somebody to the Lord on the bus. They, they're telling people about Jesus on the train. They're telling people about Jesus at work. Before you know it, the next week, there's three co-workers sitting in church with them. There's an aunt and an uncle and a cousin. And, and this, this whole section is, is from that guy's block. And this whole, this whole crew is from this guy's family. When we first get, get, get Jesus, right, when we first have an encounter, get, when we first get set free, we get so excited. We love God so much. We're telling people about the love of God. After a while, we leave that. And we lose that. The remedy that God provides is simple. Repent, turn, and start doing what you used to do at first. Love the brethren by encouraging one another while it's still today. Crying with one another. Taking dinner from house to house. Reproving one another. Edifying one another with the word. Forgiving one another. Meeting the material needs of one another. Sharing the gospel. You know, sharing the gospel is not my job only. Some people tell me, oh, I'm going to bring them to church so you can save them. If I could save them, share the gospel, amen. Share the love of God. Repent. Go back to start doing again what you used to. Love the church. Love God. Love people. The church that loses its love will soon lose its life. Let that never be said of us. God bless you, church. Put on the full armor. Can we just stand to our feet? What I heard today is that we have everything that we need. We're just not walking in it. We're not operating in it. And that awoken something in me, and it's not a coincidence why God we're speaking about fire and this morning during our worship service. Because fire does few things. See, fire is used to, uh, to purify. 
You know, when gold is made, gold is heated up really hot. So all the impurities kind of rise to the top. And they take this little scoop and they just kind of scoop out the impurities so they can have that pure gold. You know? But fire is also a fuel, man. You know? So I believe that God this morning is telling us that you have everything that you need. You are fully equipped. And not only that, you also have a fire that I placed in you to overcome, to be overcomers, to be a blessing, and to turn this world upside down. He said he only need two, but he picked more than two. And there's more than two of us here. And we can, <laughs> man, we can make some damage. We can do some things here if we just understand what unity is. So today I commit, I recommit to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know, whether you bring me back to that first love, Lord, reignite the fire in me, Lord, pour fuel in me, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, I don't want the fire to go out, Lord, just pour into this lampstand, Lord. And lastly, that fire can represent our worship. So if you guys want to leave this place with a fire in your heart, understanding that God is for you, not against you. You want to leave like that in power today, just lift your hands with us. And just say, Father, we understand your word. We know that you've given us everything and all that we need. And if we've not been moving in it the way you desire us to move in it, we ask your forgiveness, Lord. Because we know we are not weak, but in you we are strong. And we know that nothing that come, can come against us if you are for us, Lord. So we put on the full armor this morning, Lord. When we step to the floor out of our bed, we put on the full armor, ready to face the challenges that are to come. But we are focused, Lord, ready to be the blessing that you've made us to be. So, Father, reignite something in us, Lord. Awaken the dry bones, Lord. Father, stir us up once again, Lord. Because you've never changed, Lord, and you will never change. Come on, somebody bless them in this place. I want to leave with this song. We were singing it during our offering. And Mark so kindly stopped us before the best part of the song. We're going we to let him slide on that one. But we're going to take it from Majestic and Wonder Man. And we're going to talk about just how high and wonderful our God is. Come on. You are beautiful, beautiful. Somebody help me say majestic, say majestic in wonder.
to be a blessing. I just want to remind you that two o'clock another service starts. If you dropped anything, just pick it up on your way out. And in the back, if you were baptized to, uh, last week, we have something for you in the back. Uh, some certificates in the back for you. You guys have a wonderful week. See you here Wednesday for Wednesday night prayer.